Christians are at a crossroads. What's at stake? The ability to freely live out the gospel in America. At the center of today's episode is the topic of abortion. Is it progressive to take a life? The termination of life through healthcare services and plans that are forced on religious organizations because of a state's healthcare laws. This is people's tithes and offerings. We're giving you our money and now you get to go use it or have to go use it for abortions. That's not just shocking to me, that's shocking to the person in the pew. It's a challenging topic for Christians and the rest of America. One made even more challenging by the fact that conversations around the government's role in our business and personal lives can grow surprisingly complex. This is Behind the Front Lines, Religious Liberty in America. This episode, we'll hear from Foothill Church in California, a community of believers at the epicenter of a case with two main components anyone should be concerned about, regardless of their beliefs. First, should the government force religious organizations or individuals and businesses to provide abortive services in their health care plans, even when it's completely against their beliefs? And second, should the government force its citizens to follow mandates against our constitutional freedom? On a human level, we're all concerned about how to live our lives and the impact of stigmas associated with being a single mother, having children out of wedlock, or facing a pregnancy with medical complications and more. For Foothill Church and Pastor Chris Lewis in Glendora, California, the sanctity of human life has never been a question. It's a pretty standard orthodox evangelical position that we actually take our Bible seriously. We look and see that God is the author of human life. That life begins at conception, you know, that is, you know, David, you know, he, he was conceived, he, he you know, talks about in my mother's womb. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of places we could go and just the very fact that we see that God created everything. So we hold dearly, dearly to this concept of this biblical framework of the sanctity of human life. That's a real core belief. And I, I think there was a long time where you just sort of could go, yeah, of course, that's, that's how everybody believes. Of course, that's, that's certainly not true. And, and so it's something we have to, we have to make sure that we're, we're saying out loud, like y'all understand, here's what the Bible says. Here's, here's why we land where we do. And, and we want to defend that right. And we want to support organizations that are helping to defend that right. We want to support organizations that are helping women that, you know, to understand there is a choice, there's an alternative uh, to abortions and, and that they can give life to a baby and, and there will be people that come alongside them and help them. So we try to be involved in all of those things because this is really a closely, dearly held belief on our part. I, I don't think we're necessarily unique in that, right? I, but I, I know there's many, many other churches like that. But um, that's certainly true of us, and so we're really, really passionate about about this um, this issue. 
we've preached on it. I've, I've actually stood up and we've talked about it and said, Let, let's just walk through the Bible and, and talk about what, what the Bible has to say about human life and, and the sanctity of human life. So I've done that you know, several times. Um, we get involved. There's a there's a there's one uh, crisis pregnancy center within uh, about 20 minutes of us. Uh, it's the only one really in our area and uh, in in kind of this 210 corridor that we're on, which is the highway that runs through here. And um, and and so we're we're very much involved with them. We support them monthly. We actually. We actually do work days over there. We want to help and, and point people towards that. They become a resource for us if we find out anybody, about anyone who's in a, in a crisis situation. We counsel towards this, you know, things like baby dedications where, you know, we'll hold babies in our arms and thank God for the fact that, you know, he's given life. And um, so, so it's not always just standing up and saying, you know, we hate abortion. We do. We abhor it, right? We it's 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 repulsive, and yet I think there's more to that. We want to be. We want to not just be like we we're angry at Planned Parenthood and people that provide abortions. We want to get on the side of life and really providing and and caring for people even after the baby is born. So, you know, this is why we're involved in like the crisis pregnancy centers and things like that because we see that they provide a service where it's not just let's stop abortions, but let's help, help these women, help these men who are, who are struggling with, uh, they could be struggling with the aftermath of abortion, or they could, it might rescue that child. And then we can come along and provide some, some kind of support for them. One of the things I'm actually happy about that you see within the pro-life movement really is, is that if we're going to be pro-life, let's be pro-life, right? This is not just about being angry about abortion. It's about saying we believe in life. And I think so for that reason, man, when a baby is born, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to celebrate, if we're going to say, we, we want to see this ended, then let's not just celebrate when Planned Parenthood shuts down and a new crisis pregnancy opens up. Let's celebrate when a baby comes into the world. Let's celebrate when a mother is saying, you know, we're, we're taking on this incredible responsibility and a dad to, to raise a child. When, when we have single moms at our church who, who, you know, have been through a rough patch and, and, and they're, they come with a little baby. And to be honest with you, um, they, there's still trepidation. What are people going to think of me? Right. What are they going to think of me? If I, if I bring my baby, right. Uh, this is, this is always like, this is a really tender spot for me. Um, because they, they come and, and they're, they're, they're wondering how, how is the church going to react to this and to just embrace them and to put them up in front of the congregation and say, let's pray for this baby. Uh, that sends us a powerful and pray for this mom. I think that sends a powerful number. We, we had a, over the last 10 years, we've had a couple of severely handicapped children that we have dedicated. And wow, does that give us an opportunity to talk about how life is precious, how this baby this baby right here, I was just talking to a woman the other day, and her child is one, I think it's of like 12 in the world that's been diagnosed with this, this disorder that he has. And it's, it's awful, right? But it, but we got a chance when that, when, when, when Caleb was, was, you know, I think he was maybe three to six months old, and I was able to stand up in front of the congregation and, and celebrate that this family decided 
to give birth to this child knowing full well all the troubles. This child is made in the image of God. Despite Foothill Church's deeply ingrained and presumably protected beliefs about the sanctity of life, it was brought to their attention that they would be forced to offer abortive services as part of their health coverage for employees and staff. This went directly against Foothill's identity as a church. Yeah, so back in 2014, we, we uh, you know, we, we were kind of just hearing, I guess, picking up that, oh yeah, you know, some, some insurance companies, they, they include abortion coverage in their, in their insurance coverage. Well, of course, we, we have insurance coverage. We have about 150 employees or so. And so one of my associates um, says, hey, do you think we ought to check and make sure that we don't cover abortions? And I'm thinking, man, that can't possibly be, right? So I said, yeah, well, for sure. Let's, let's check that out. So he, he gets in touch with our insurance broker and just says, Hey, do we just want to double check? I think we were about to do our renewal at that point. We just want to double check. Are we good? Like, is, is we don't cover abortions. And so he went out to the, to the insurers and, and basically checked on that. Is, is this true? And a couple things happened. They first came back and said, yep, you're good. We, you do not cover abortions. The second thing that happened was they, they came back and said, Oh, well, actually the way this works is you either have to offer full coverage, like you have to cover everything, abortions, abortifacient drugs, or cover nothing. Well, that, that was pretty easy decision for us. We're like, yeah, well, I guess so. I, I literally sent an email out to the employees when I found that out and saying, hey, guys, just want you to know, I know this might be a little inconvenient for us, but you know, here you all know where we stand. We are a pro-life organization. I mean, it's never been, never been hidden from anybody. And so we're going to side on the side of life. And from here on out, we're not going to offer any any contraceptive coverage because this is what they're telling us. So I thought that was the end of the matter. I think it was in August of 2014, we get uh, a notification through our broker that the Department of Managed Healthcare, actually think through our insurer, the Department of Managed Healthcare had issued a ruling in August of, of 14, basically uh, saying every insurance, you know, health insurance policy out there and, and plan must offer a full service of contraceptive coverage, including abortions. And there was zero religious exception. It wasn't like, and oh, by the way, if you have, you know, religious convictions or, or even just obvious things, we'll just exempt churches or anything like that. It was just a blanket. Everybody is now covered by this mandate. That was really shocking. And so we, we found out about that back in, in August 2014. And that's where like, we got to do something about this. It's important to note that the church wasn't opposed to contraceptives, a totally separate issue that sometimes gets caught up in this debate. Foothill Church stumbled into a shocking all-or-nothing change in their coverage requirements. Yeah, so we don't we don't have a problem with, you know, the pill or other kinds of now abortifacient contra, contraceptive, no. Like so we were we would have never offered any kind of pill like that, as far as we knew, right? We just didn't want to do that. So yeah, we we were we wanted to say to our employees, you can, you know, we'll provide for these things. And but when they kind of came in and said it's got to be all or nothing, we're like, all right, well then I guess it's nothing. I, I think I was just stunned. I'm like, this can't. I mean, it was one thing for me to go, okay, well we just won't offer it, that, you know, but to be basically told by the state, oh no, 
No, you are being forced to offer this coverage. I, I literally, I just, I think I thought, where am I? Like, how, how is, am I living in this when I thought this was one of our first freedoms? Like, you could actually have a closely held religious belief, right? That 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 could could exempt you from things like this. Um, and, you know, and that it wasn't as though that was hidden. It wasn't like that was just a convenient thing to be able to say, oh, yeah, and by the way, we have this religious conviction. I mean, this is this is this isn't just true of Foothill Church. This is massive. I mean, this is Roman Catholicism. This is just massive swaths. And I'm like, how in the world? So now they're saying they're saying to Roman Catholic diocese and to us and to and anybody else who has this, you have to offer this coverage. That was, it was stunning. It was like, I felt like we were under a regime that was basically going to just squash this, this first freedom and say, um, nope, the state gets to override your religious convictions and is going to force you to do what you don't want to do. That, 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 that just feels shocking to me. So can a church with these deeply held convictions address their concerns with state leadership? We contacted them. Yeah, yeah, we have, there's no exception. So, I mean, we have to, we literally, if a, if a woman in our organization had, you know, gotten pregnant and wanted an abortion, then that would have been covered by us we would have had to have covered that. This went on for three years. And that whole time, Foothill Church was being forced to provide abortive services as part of employee health care. That's just, you know, and I mean, this is, this is people's tithes and offerings. We're giving you our money, and now you get to go use it or have to go use it for abortions. That's not just shocking to me. That's shocking to the person in the pew, right, that that, 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 would, be, that would be something that would be required of us. I, I'm, 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 oh, by the way, I'm, I'm happy to render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but our tithes and offerings aren't Caesar's, right? They're, they're not meant to be used to take another human life. That's unconscionable. Like, this doesn't even feel like America. We're just, again, like, our, our religious convictions are just being squashed. We heard about some of these legal defense organizations out there. Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom came on the radar. And uh, as I recall, we, we contacted them. And so, yeah, I, I, but by the way, I don't hold ourselves out as like, wow, weren't we brave and mighty to, to do this where other churches didn't? I don't feel that way at all. I think it was just like, we looked at our situation and went, we looked into this. We did have these conversations. We got these emails. This is how it unfolded. Like, maybe we're the best ones to do this. Let's just jump into the water on this because, I mean, we need to, in some way, something's got to sound the alarm and try to bring this thing to its knees because this is, it's ridiculous. I mean, it really is. It's just absolutely ridiculous. When I look at California, even, and I look at things like, Catholic hospitals, Seventh-day Adventist hospitals, Baptist hospitals, any of these kind of places. I mean, 
Christians were at the forefront of all of the, you know, of, of modern healthcare, if you go back. And, and now all of these places that would hold to this are being told, uh, and I mean, that's a whole separate issue, by the way. I think now they're even not even told you have to offer them within your insurance. You actually have to perform them. It's, it's crazy. You know, how can you force somebody not only to offer that, but then to do that? That 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 feels that feels like a uh, repressive regime. <laughs> Foothill Church's experience is morphing into a David and Goliath story. Their case is still ongoing after three years of deliberation. They lost in California, and it's not the end of the road yet. But for Pastor Lewis, the specter of another fight is far from daunting. I'm not discouraged. I'm not. You know what I feel like? I feel like it's, it's a little bit like when I stand in a pulpit and I talk about what the Bible says is right versus wrong, I feel all the peace in the world. I really, it's in, it, I got to be honest with you, there's very little concern with me that lots of people aren't agreeing with what I'm saying. And again, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm just, it's, it's like, if this is the truth and this is the truth, if this is right, if this is genuinely right, then we just keep going. We keep going until the last door is shut. And that means that if we're going to get shut out in the federal district court in California, and then we get shut out at a, at an appeals court level, and then, you know, let's say in God's grand mercy, he allows it to go all the way to the Supreme Court and we finally get shut out there, I don't, you know, yes, that would be discouraging. That would be terrible. On the other hand, I feel like we fought the fight we're supposed to fight. And and I think there are some things that are worth fighting for. I think Christians very often, we fight over the wrong things. I don't think this is a wrong thing. This is not a small issue. This is a big issue that I think is going to impact a whole lot of people. How will this specific case affect the rest of us? What would happen if Foothill Church took their fight against government overreach to the Supreme Court and lost? The stakes are high for Pastor Lewis. That's watershed, right? The state is basically siding with coercion to force you to do things that you you absolutely feel a deep conviction that you must not do. Well, what else could they do? Or what, what, what precedent does this then set for lots of other things that could come along? Seriously, right? I mean, talk about the erosion of first freedoms. This is, this could be, this could be one of those, one of those, you know, Jenga pieces that they finally <laughs> knock out and the whole thing comes tumbling down. I mean, it's just, it's just, it has, it has big ramifications, I think. There is an organization like ADF out there that is willing to come alongside churches like ours so that guys like me can get up in the morning and my first thought doesn't have to be, how are we going to do this? Like, how do I tackle this issue? Like, I'm just simply not qualified to do this. I am going to be in over my head 
um, within within minutes, right? But knowing, and I mean this sincerely, knowing I can hand something like this off, they take it, they bear the burden, and lets me now get freed up to do the ministry that God has called me to do. I don't have to worry about it anymore. I can sleep better at night. And uh, and so in that sense, ADF and Ministry Alliance and all that has just been has been a godsend for me and for churches, churches like Foothill Church that lets us go, hey, you guys do what you do best because you're really good at what you do, right? And let us continue to disciple people and, and help people and, you know, dedicate babies and do all the kind of stuff that God's called us to do in, in loving our community so that we don't, we don't have to be, you know, have, have, have be sidetracked and get off mission in what God's called us to do. Our thanks to Pastor Chris Lewis and Foothill Church for sharing their story and fighting our battle. On the next episode of Behind the Front Lines, Religious Liberty in America, the implications from radical shifts in gender norms arrive at the front door of a Christian ministry in Southern Massachusetts. How are we going to be able to provide a free environment that nothing would jeopardize not only their safety, but also their trust that we wanted to be able to help them. Tune in next time to hear how ADF is helping guard the rights of this shelter to truly protect the domestic abuse survivors it serves. Behind the Front Lines is paid for by Alliance Defending Freedom and produced by CT Creative Studio. We encourage you to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to share, rate, and review the program so others can discover the work ADF is doing. You can learn more about ADF's Church and Ministry Alliance programs at adfchurchalliance.org.